Repent. Turn away from your sin. Jesus is coming soon. Figure it out. Read the Bible. Stop doing stupid things. Some of us, when we think of evangelism, think of this. But I want you to know that after the service, we feel like this is the best tool for you to use for evangelism. So each one of you are going to get one of your very own megaphones. We spare no expense here at Bel Air Presbyterian Church, $175 each, but we expect you to use it. And if you don't, then we'll confiscate it from you and give it to someone who will use it. Evangelism, the E word in the church, right? The world has its swear words that sort of make us cringe. In the Christian world, if evangelism is used, we sort of freak out a little bit and cringe a bit. This is the series that we're in, is on evangelism. Do you like Jesus? Do you like Jesus? That's really the question, right? If he friended you on Facebook, what would you say? Yes. Yes, I do like him. So... This passage of scripture uh, over the years has been interpreted in different ways. We'll kind of look at it from two sides. There's one side where you focus more on the soil and its receiving power. Others that focus on the sower and the ability to sow the seed. We'll look at both sides of those. We're going to look at the passage of scripture first. Look at some things in there that, because for the most part, this is a great passage of scripture because what happens? Jesus tells you the parable, and then he actually gives you sort of the answer key to the parable afterwards, in which case I don't have to preach. Read the scripture, see the answers, go home, you're all done. Not the case. There's a lot more subtlety and things to see, I think, in the passage that will help illuminate what's there and help us then figure out what does it mean for me to understand this passage and what relevance does it have to the way that I live my life. This parable is in three different gospels. We're picking out the one in Mark and looking at it, but it's also in Matthew and in Luke. So if I see a story that's in three different gospels, I think it's one that we should pay attention to. I think it's important. There are subtle differences between each of them, but truly they all have the same sort of heart of the message, which is get up on it and start sowing some seed. The context uh, is pretty interesting here. This is actually something I had not seen in this passage before, um, and, and I think it's, it's worth mentioning. It's worth looking at. In the Matthew uh, chapter 13, it actually starts with um, the idea that they started in the house and they moved to the boat on the sea. The same thing is here in Mark, but it doesn't actually say that in the scriptures there. You have to actually look up a few verses and you realize the verses before it takes place within the house. And they're talking about sort of um, what role do the family of Jesus sort of have in the, in the, in the, uh, the kingdom work. And, and so there's this sense. And for me, that, that, that never really meant anything uh, until I read something. And it, and it talked about the fact that uh, in the home is where we're comfortable. In the home is where we take off our shoes and, and we kick up our feet and, and we, we get a sense of sort of, you know, uh, predictability. We, we know what home looks like. If we closed our eyes, we'd know where the light switches are and everything else. It's very comfortable at home. But Jesus doesn't want us to be at home. He wants us to move out onto the water as he does. Now, the interesting part here is we don't quite understand sort of water in this particular concept. Most of you are saying, okay, water is water. 90% of the body is made up of water. What, what difference does that mean? But we have to see it through the eyes of people 2,000 years ago, and water would represent chaos. It would represent sort of, we don't know what's under the water, so it's, there's a mysterious part of sort of the water, and it's chaos. And Jesus is there. He's not in the water preaching to the people. He is above the water. He's in a boat. And he is sort of in the midst of, he's surrounded by the chaos. And yet in being surrounded by the chaos, he is calling folks to 
sow the seed. He's calling people to scatter the seed out there where it's not comfortable in amongst the chaos. And so we see that there's a progression from being comfortable at home, Jesus pushing us out of that place to say, you need to go in the midst of the chaos, the chaos of your workplace, the chaos of your family. It doesn't mean don't preach the gospel at home. I don't think that's what I'm trying to say. But it is to say that I think we need to go, therefore, and make disciples, I believe is what it says towards the end of Matthew. But the idea is the scattering of the seed that's important to see here. I'm going to teach you a little bit about Greek today. Some of you go, this is the part in the sermon where I get to turn off, not pay attention. But I do think that understanding some of the original language helps us get at some of the things we can't get at in a modern day translation. Give you two words, imperfect and imperative. They're two different verb forms. Imperfect, tense in Greek, means a sense of ongoing. So if we look at, again, he began to teach beside the lake. We read that and we think, well, he taught. Thanks. That was hard to understand. Appreciate you unpacking that for us, Keenan. The Greek really helped there. But, but the sense is here, is we don't see, is that it's, it's in the imperfect tense. And in the third verse, it says this thing, and he says, so it's, it's ongoing. It's this, he's always teaching. It's not that he teaches here, he stops, he does something else, and then he teaches again, and there's these moments of teaching. He is ongoing. This imperfect tense is an ongoing sense. So in here, he is constantly teaching. His essence is one of teaching. The other place the imperfect word is used here, the imperfect verb is used in verse 8. Other seed fell into the good soil. This We're going to call this the fourth soil. This is the good soil. And it continues to be brought forth, grain growing and increasing. The idea is that it's not sort of, we have the fruit that comes out and we're done. The idea is that it's an ongoing process of producing fruit, producing fruit, producing fruit. It's ongoing, the imperfect tense of the verb. So you know about imperfect verb tense means ongoing. And those two words I think are helpful to understand. The other is an imperative. An imperative, in this particular case, there's two places the imperative is used, at the front and at the back. They're like bookends. Chapter, uh, sorry, verse three, listen. And it's even more powerful than listen because there's another little word in there called edu, which isn't even translated. In your Bible, it's probably translated with an exclamation point, actually. It's like, listen, look, pay attention. I'm about to tell you something big. So it's a demand, it's a command. The imperative form of the verb is a command to listen and look, pay attention. And at the end is listen. The very last word in verse nine. Listen, listen. If we want to know nothing else, we need to listen. We need to listen. Why does he use a parable here? Why does anyone use a parable? The idea is that the the hearers of the word are are not ones who are going to be highly educated, sophisticated, that kind of a thing. So we're going to take a simple sort of thing that you would see in everyday life. We're going to talk about a seed and a sower, which would be very familiar to them. And we're going to tell the story of the the sower and the seed. And then we're gonna, we're gonna give you kind of a twist in it and we're gonna give you, have it reveal a truth about who God is. Ordinary things used for extraordinary purposes. And so the parable is to unlock a, 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 a message that we couldn't otherwise see, but the story helps us be able to get to that message or unpack that message in some way. Everyday familiar to something brand new, a new truth about who God is. Now it talks about a sower here. Now, if you look up sower, it's not something we're familiar with uh, most of the time. It's not, it's not a term that we use like, hey, did you do any sewing today? N- no, that's a different kind of sewing. Okay. This is S-E-W, right? So what is it? It's, the idea is scatter. But this, 
he could have said be a farmer, but this a farmer actually has more than just the task of sowing seed. He has the task of sowing the seed, taking care of the seed, and then reaping the harvest of the seed, and then doing all these other things. He's taking one task of a farmer and talking about a sower, one person. Why, why would he do this? The, the idea would be that we are all not asked or some people are given the, the opportunity to be sowers. The idea is we are all sowers of the word. The intention is that we all are called to this particular task of a farmer. We are all asked to sow the seed. We're all asked to do that, invited into that place of being able to do that. Why a seed? Small, vulnerable, easily broken open. But the seed on its own, if I just plant it here, it doesn't do anything. The seed needs a sower and it needs a receiver. We're called to be sowers and we're called to be receivers. We're called to be both. In this particular passage, we're going to talk more about you all and your ability to sow. Four soils. They're described already in scripture. You get sort of the front end, you get verse 4 that talks about the first soil, and then verse 15 that describes the soil, what what it actually is supposed to mean. So I don't need to go into too much depth, but there is a sense here that the first one falls on a path. Path is used for walking. It's a, it's, a, it's a path that you go from one place to the next. The idea would be within this particular culture, there are plenty of people walking on the path. They're, they're walking. And we're trying, as they're focused on the duties of their day, the business of everything they're doing, we're trying to sow the seed into their lives. And they're just too busy because they're walking on the path. This path is for walking. It's not for receiving of, of any kind of seed. And so they miss out. This is kind of the, maybe sort of a, a little bit of a different slant on looking at the first soil. But the bottom line is, in the end of this, what happens, Satan comes in, takes it away, and it's gone. Second soil. Middle Eastern land, you have to understand, underneath is really hard, dense. And on top is this kind of topsoil. And if the rain comes down, the topsoil looks like it's really fertile, but it's, the moisture probably hasn't gone down too deep. So the seed lands, gives a little bit of a sort of a, um, a, a bloom of some kind potentially. And then what typically happens is that it gets very dry in the Middle East. Things burn out. The moisture's gone very quickly. And there's nothing left. And the thing blows away. The topsoil goes away. And there's no deep roots really done for this particular plant. And so for some who are in the church, you'll see them. They, they, they're very excited about their faith. And about three or four weeks later, they're not really interested in church any longer. Those, those roots never went deep enough in order to keep them in the, the fold. These are people maybe uh, who would be considered part of the second soil. No deep roots. Third soil. The word is chokes out or suffocates. It gives you the cares of the world, wealth, Desire for other things. Thankfully, we don't deal with any of those things in this particular culture. They didn't know what they were talking about back then, did they? 18 and 19, it's just simple. Cares of the world, wealth. It's the other things of life that squeeze and suffocate out any ability for that seed of life to grow. Some would say that uh, in this particular soil, it's not even that... It would, it would be sort of looking at this thorn bush and going, Oh, I'm going to plant my seed there. That doesn't seem to make much sense. The idea may be, though, that the original seed that you're pulling up gets thrown out and that there's bad seed in with the good seed, and so they grow up together, but in the end, the thorn bush sort of beats out the other plant, the other things of life that take over end up suffocating and choking out the, the, the seeds of life in our life. And the, the fourth soil, it receives and bears fruit 
It's this continuing action, remember? Continuing action because it's in perfect tense. Varying rates of return. 30 is good. 60 is really good. 100 is like mind-blowing good in terms of uh, return on your investment in terms of the seeds. Mind-blowing. It's interesting to note that uh, Matthew says there's a hundredfold, 60-fold, 30-fold. Mark says 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. They kind of... So I, I guess Matthew's the pessimist and Mark is the optimist. I, I'm not really sure. Some of us think sort of in those two different directions. So there's two different Gospels, depending which one. If you want to be the pessimist, read Matthew. If you like, be the optimist and read Mark. But there you have it. The last thing uh, we'll talk about in terms of this is pulling out of verse uh, 11. He said to them, Jesus said to the disciples and others who were there, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. Well, why would you give away the secret? Right? Why would you give away the secret? Well, in ancient cults and religions, the idea would be that the secret would be kept secret. That you, if you were part of this community, the idea would be that you would all know the secret, but no one else out there, and you would keep the secret from everybody out there. In this particular case, what happens is Jesus says, I'm making the secret known. The secret of the kingdom of God, I'm making it known to everyone. But in doing that, some of that seed will fall on soil that receives it and grows and does great things. And others will reject it. So it goes on from there to say that some, their hearts will be hardened, they'll walk away, they'll turn the other direction. Why would God, if he loves his people so much, allow people to walk away, do that? Because he gives us free will. He gives us the ability to make a choice. And so some will hear the word of life and nothing will happen. Others will hear the word of life and it will become living in them and bear fruit in their lives. So this word, the secret, is actually the word mysterium in the Greek. Mystery. The idea is this whole process is a mystery. The whole thing. I mean, we can't, I can't go, okay, if I just think really hard and concentrate really hard, what's going to happen is an orange tree is going to sprout out of my head and start to produce oranges. That's not the way it works. It takes a seed, it takes soil, it takes sun, it takes photosynthesis. It doesn't really take photosynthesis. That's another process. But you get it. Like, it's all God created this whole thing that the ability, this little teeny weeny seed holds the potential to make a massive oak tree. It has the ability to produce fruit that we can eat. It has the ability to do all these different things, this little tiny sort of seed. This is this, the secret of the kingdom, the mystery of how this God works. This is truly a mystery of how God works in all of that. So we've looked at the passage, you get a sense of, of kind of the essence of the passage. I would then, uh, I, I'm going to give you eight questions, and I'm going to encourage you to write these eight questions down. They used to be ten. What happened in the first service is that I did about seven or six or seven of them, and I couldn't find the last page. Literally. And stood here for a few seconds and did that, oh my, I'm going to lose my job kind of moment. And then I don't remember what came out of my mouth and then realized a couple of the last ones really weren't that important anyways. So they used to be 10. Now they're eight. You're going to get eight. And that way you get closer to getting donuts and things after the service even faster. So these are questions that you need to ask. I'm going to ask the question, give you a little bit of an answer, but really the questions are for you to think about and ponder. I want to put tension in your life. That's my job. What is it you're throwing? What is the seed that you're scattering? Is it modern, conventional wisdom? You know, kind of Dr. Philisms, if you will. Are, are they pithy sayings? Are they, are they just kind of uh, sort of Old Testament kinds of things put in things? Are, are, are they a list of rules and regulations that people around you need to follow? Is this the kind of seed that you're sort of scattering? 
Or is, is the seed that you're scattering really the good news of the gospel? The words that bring life, that this, this powerful God who had a, a person who is, who is son, who was killed in a cross, he's dead, gone, finished, in a tomb three days and rises from the dead. This kind of powerful God who can do anything that you can possibly imagine. Is this the good news that we are giving to others? What is it that you are throwing? Question number one. What is it you're throwing? Question number two. What if you don't know what to throw? What if you don't know what to throw? Well, you should pay attention at church. You should go to a small group. You should go deeper in your faith walk. You should live in a community of people who believe the same things you do. You should be reading the word of God. You should be praying. You should be attending church. You should pay attention because in the fall, we're going to do a whole series on discipleship. And we're going to learn what it is to be a disciple of Christ. Hopefully we're doing that every week, but we're going to specifically in the fall focus on that. So if you don't know what to throw, keep throwing up to showing up to church. We'll, we'll give you some ideas. And if in a few months you still don't know what to throw, then, then, then your intention. And we're going to continue to have you sort of look after what is it that I'm throwing? That's question number two. Question number three. Two, what if you don't know what to throw? Three. Is what you are throwing to others already taking root in you? Hear that again. Is what you're throwing to others already taken root in you? Are you listening to the word of God? Now here, the listening, akuo, the, the Greek word is not a listening of like, I take the information in, I memorize it, and I can spit it out on a test. That's not it. Listening, really true listening. If I tell my son to sit down, he goes, I heard you, dad. You said to sit down. Well, no, you obviously didn't because you're still standing, Right? God tells us lots of things and the idea is that we listen and that it would transform and change the way we live. That there would be an obedience piece to listening as well. That we would be obedient to the things that we would hear. Are we really listening? Are we receiving? Are we preparing our own heart to receive the seeds that God has for us? Point, somebody pointed out this to me that I was at camp this last week and, and one of the people who sat at a table with her talking about this passage and she said, you know, I've, never, I've thought about this for a long time. I think it's true and I, and I like this. It doesn't say this particularly in the passage, but I think we can infer this, that in each one of your hearts, there's really, there's four sort of soils, right? All four soils are there. Now, if you've given your life to Christ, which I hope you have, and if you haven't, then come talk to me afterwards because we got a big conversation to have that's very important for your life, that you would receive that word of life into your life. But there's these other three soils in all of us, right? Because we have plenty of things that we give over to Jesus, but there's plenty of parts we go, you know what, God, I'm going to hold on to that piece. Thank you very much. And so there's, even in us, there's those soils that need to be dealt with. Is what you're throwing to others already taken root in you? That's question number three. Question four, is there a particular technique to throwing seed? One extreme is you throw it in their face, right? Get the seed and you just go, whack! Right? You've seen that. That works real well. People are blinded and they kind of go like, get away from me. Right? That approach doesn't necessarily work. The other extreme is that we have a few seeds and we calculate very carefully where we're going to place the seeds. That might be a good place for them. Okay. And this is a good place to place the seed, right? Okay. That's the other extreme. The idea here is that we're throwing the seed. And if we really understand this in some ways, that 75% of the time we're going to fail. My wife said, well, where'd you get that math? Well, there's four soils. 
Three of them don't work out so good. One of them works out well. I said, that's about 75%. She goes, well, be careful that you don't just say that the scripture says they're 75%. I don't know what the percentages are. I'm going to just sort of make a little sort of an inference there for you. You're going to go with me, right? You're going to, you're going to go. There we go. I think it's also understand that it can't be outsourced to a factory. Each person must participate in the business of scattering. It's not that you go to a big church and you go, that church is really good at scattering the seed by preaching the word or teaching classes or whatever else. So I'm off the hook for having to spread the word. Uh-uh. We're the church. We. Us. Not me, paid staff person or elder or deacon or whatever else. All of us have the responsibility to spread that word. So is there a particular technique to throwing the seed? No, it's just go do it. Get up off your bum and go do it. But we only get better by practicing. Fifth question. What are the parables in your own life that might reveal God to others? I'm just going to leave that question just, there it is, let you think about it. What are the parables in your own life that reveal God to others? Because God's telling a story through the way that you live and the, the things that have happened in your life that can be turned into amazing opportunities to share with others. The seed then can be sort of filled in and thrown in your own particular way and with your own story in mind. Six, what keeps us from throwing the seed? What keeps us from throwing the seed? We don't like rejection. We don't like the odds. 75% of the time I'm going to fail. Why would I even want to participate in something like that? Fear of rejection. Fear of not fitting into our social setting any longer. Fear of offending someone around us. I tell you that I've, and this is the confessional part of the, 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 the sermon, is that I've lived in a neighborhood for two years. Do you know how many times I've talked to my neighbors about the gospel? I don't know if I have. I'm a pastor, full-time paid staff here on, 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 uh, on staff. It's scary stuff, folks. But now I've told all of you, and so I have all these accountability partners who are all going to come up and tap me on the shoulder and go, talk to your neighbors yet? Talk to your neighbors yet? No, thanks for reminding me that I need to do so, though. It's hard. It's difficult. But I've got to find a way. I've got to get out of, out of my own way to realize that the, the fear that, that, that if I share the gospel and it doesn't work out, then, then their kids are going to make fun of my kids. Or, or that if I share it the wrong way, they're, they're going to look at me funny every time they drive, drive, drive by me. Or, or that I might share it in such a way that I would offend them and they would just be angry at me all the time. I, I want to live on a street where people are angry at me all the time, right? I gotta get over those fears. I gotta be able to share in a way that is authentic and real and life-giving. Not out of a sense of obligation, but because of what God has done for me. Seven. What does it look like to be a good sower? What, 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 what should it look like? Simply put, there's fruit. There's fruit. There are people actually coming to know who Jesus is. Not because you are some kind of expert at scattering seed or an expert in the word, but because you're a faithful scatterer of the word. And God needs you in order for his word to be successful and go do something. He needs you. It might be shown as well if you're a good listener. One who not only hears, but acts. But the whole thing depends on God. A sovereign God. Because we can do this all day long and we can be concerned with the outcomes. But God says, no, look here. I'm concerned with the outcomes. You just have to be faithful to throw the seed. That's all you got to do. Eight, do you trust God for the results? Do you trust God? Do you truly trust God for the results? Bottom line, it's hard. 
Do you realize if you plant bamboo, a certain kind of bamboo, you can plant it in the ground and seven years later you may not see anything. But it's growing. It's doing something. And when it starts to come out, it can grow like a few feet a day. A few feet a day. But for a while, we've got to be patient. We've got to trust that God is doing what he's supposed to be doing underneath the surface. And all we can do is say, I'm going to spread the seed. I'm going to spread the seed. This is junior high ministry 101, right? Junior high kids do not like come up here and preach and tell you about the gospel. You know what they do? They take it all in and they either make a decision to go this way or they make a decision to go that way. And hopefully at the end of this road comes to a place where they come to faith, they own their faith and they live out their faith in a significant kind of way. But we don't see the results of that for a while because they're squirrely for a really long time. We have to have faith that the time and energy we spend in junior high ministry actually turns out to be something worthwhile later on. We have to, in some ways, trust God and be patient. Title of the sermon is, So What? Question for you is, Now What? Yes, we need to focus on our own soil and make sure that we are receptive to all, for, to, receptive to all, that, all the God that has for us. But we can't stop there. It's not uh, um, an adventure of looking at our own navel. I've got to figure out my four soils. I've got to figure out my four soils. I've got to figure out my four soils. We spend all of our time doing that. We end up being a church that doesn't do anything. We end up being a really nice kind of club. The bigger is the idea that the listening that we hear, the things that we receive, so transform us into a place of obedience that we're doing right living and we're scattering the seed in all different kinds of ways to all different kinds of people. If we really believe in the power of God, then we need to scatter the good news of Jesus at all times to everyone we come in contact with. And my gosh, I'm preaching to myself, I promise. Just as much to you. Another part of this that really is not mentioned here, but I think is worth saying, is that the whole culture of this particular time is all based in community. And I think we have to figure out ways that we might enter into community so that when we get the bad news, 75% of the time, we're not alone in receiving that bad news. But that we're able to encourage one another towards the other, the, the, the fourth soil. To quote one scholar, the great success of the fourth soil makes us forget about the failure of the first three. We got work to do. We got seed to scatter. Are you coming with me? Are you coming with me? Let's pray. God, we thank you that you are a big God. You know all of our hearts. You know all of our abilities. You know all of our shortfallings. We thank you, God, that you uh, come alongside us as we trust you in the process of scattering this seed the good news of Jesus Christ. For those of us who have never received that before, I pray this morning that, that there would be soil there ready to hear this parable in a way they haven't heard before. That the life-giving power of Jesus would come into their lives. And for those who have received it a long time ago but still realize they've got soils to work through, that they would work through those. But God, that we wouldn't spend so much time focusing ourselves that we'd miss out on the opportunity to work alongside of you in terms of telling other people about this great news we have about you. Help us do that. Help us be faithful to that call. We pray it in Jesus' name.